Christina is going to bring a presentation. Now this is for the children, but I think there's more older people than, than children, although we are all children of God, so you're allowed. In Matthew 5.13, Jesus said, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. What does it mean to be the salt of the earth? Have you ever tasted salt all by itself? It's not really that great. I mean, it's really salty. But when you add a little bit to your food, it makes it taste really good. If you've ever eaten something without much salt in it, you know the difference a little salt can make. Did you know that salt doesn't actually add flavor to the food? It actually helps release the flavor of your food by breaking down the cell walls of veggies, fruit, or whatever you're eating to bring out its own natural flavors. Salt is also used to preserve food, to make it last longer. A long time ago, people didn't have refrigerators and needed to use salt to preserve meat and fish. Today, we use salt to make pickles. When we are being the salt of the earth, we are working with Jesus to help preserve or save others. When people don't know what Jesus has done for them and how much he loves them, the evil of sin spoils them like rotting food. Salt is used for healing too. Have you ever gar gargled with salt water when you have a sore throat? Salt actually draws water away from an area of inflammation and kills the germs that are trying to make you sick. People use salt water, saline, to clean wounds. Salt also used to be put right into wounds to prevent infection, ouch. When we are the salt of the earth, we bring hope and healing to people who are sick with sin. But that's not all. Have you ever eaten a bunch of salty food, like chips, and then felt really thirsty? When we are the salt of the earth, we should help make others thirsty for the living water, which is the power of the Holy Spirit that God offers to everyone. When people see how much we care about them by our kind words and our actions, they will want to know why we are so kind. When we tell them about the love of Jesus, they will want to know him for themselves too. Jesus said we are to be like salt. We are to make things better for people around us. We are to show his love by the way we treat people. Jesus also said that if the salt isn't salty anymore, then the only thing useful for it is to walk on it. Can salt lose its saltiness? Real salt doesn't actually lose its flavor. But in ancient times, you might be fooled into buying poor quality salt or fake salt that has other non-salty minerals or impurities. This type of salt is useless for cooking, preserving, or healing. Throwing good salt out in ancient times would be unthinkable because it was so valuable. Roman soldiers were often paid with salt instead of money. The word salary actually means salt money. If we aren't making things better for others, or if we are making things worse for them with our selfishness, then we are like ruined or fake Christians that are working against Jesus. Salt seems like a pretty ordinary thing, but hopefully you have a better understanding of how important it is spiritually. I want to be like the salt of the earth, and I hope that you do too. Thank you, Christina, for that sermon. 
Like what I say, that's half my sermon right there. Okay. Let me get this on here right. There we go. I think I got it right. All right, I'm going to do something a little bit different today. I want to do a little bit of interaction with everybody. I don't want to leave you out of this sermon. I want you to be part of it. But if I bring the mic. Oh, actually, I'm going to have Nathan bring the mic around. And if you have something to say, quite keep it short. Keep it brief. Otherwise, we're going to be here till 1 or 2 o'clock. So, and our growling bellies will not put up with that. So I'm going to start with a prayer. Father in heaven, I know you love us all so dearly. We are so precious to you. I ask that you be with each and every one of us today and help us, our hearts, be open to the word that you've presented. Help me give the word that you've presented and help it to be instilled in our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So we've been doing this last week, week of prayer, and doing it online. And so our theme for this last couple of weeks is prayer. And, you know, when I got asked to do a sermon, um, I'd already had a topic picked out, and then Tony informed me, he's like, yeah, but the theme is on prayer. I'm like, oh, man. I'm like, I could tie anything into prayer. Actually, everything should be tied into prayer. So I could have had a sermon on anything, and prayer would have worked, because we should be prayerfully thinking every day, throughout the day. Prayer should be a part of us as breathing is a part of us. You know that you don't really have to think when you breathe. It's an automatic thing. You don't have to think in, out, in, out. You don't. Prayer should be that simple that throughout our day, we are constantly praying for those little things. The Lord asks us and tells us, pray about the little things, everything. Be in contact with me throughout your day. And don't think that something is too small that he doesn't want to hear it. He wants to be in contact with us about everything. So, prayer. What is prayer? Really, what is it? Nathan, if you could have the mic ready, I'd like to hear some comments. What is prayer? What does it mean to you? And we're using a mic to make sure that it gets on to the live broadcast. Go ahead, Grant. Graham Maxwell years ago made the comment uh, when I was at Loma Linda that prayer is like conversation with a friend. Prayer. What is its motivation? I don't know. Hello? I don't know about motivation, but I've, it's communication. And we think in words. So if we actually verbalize our thoughts, our gratitude, um, sometimes our needs, it becomes more real. Mm -hmm. Anybody else? Prayer is talking to God as to men. Talking to God. That's right. That's great. 
Anybody else? Don't be shy. No answer is wrong. I just want us to be connected with this because prayer is something that is connecting us to each other, not just to God, but God asks us to pray for one another so that we remain connected with each other. Go ahead. For me, prayer is um, learning how to have a conversation with God. My prayers go to him, and he responds. That is, that is um, also me learning to hear his voice. That's, yes. that's prayer to me. Great. Thank you. And Lucas? No. Okay. All right. I think that's good. So, when we think about prayer, we're thinking, okay, we need things. Throughout the day, we're asking the Lord, give me courage to this. Bring somebody to me that I can witness to. You know, we're, all these little prayers the Lord asks us to do throughout the day, to ask for strength, to ask for me, tolerance and patience while I'm on the road, because I'm one of those drivers that has high anxiety when I'm on the road. So I'm constantly asking for prayer and those things. But let's go back to when the apostles asked Jesus, tell us how to pray. Because they weren't sure they were getting it quite right. So they asked Jesus, tell us how to pray. How do you pray? Tell us how to pray. So I'm going to read the first part of this here. The Lord's Sermon. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Now we get to the next part here. Thy kingdom come, or his kingdom come. Thy will be done. His will be done. His will will be done. Doesn't that sound like conditions? Doesn't that sound like he's kind of laid it out to say, okay, this is what I want. We want his kingdom to come. This is what all Christians want. We want Christ to come. We're praying for Christ to come. And also, it says, thy will be done. His will will be done. What is God's will? Anybody have any answers to that? What is God's will? What does that mean to you, God's will, when you connect it with prayer? What is God's will? Anybody have a thought on that? Lucas? Go ahead, Nate. Restoration of his character in us. Good one. I like that. Anybody else? What is God's will when you connect it with prayer? more of him and less of me. That's good. That's really good. Anybody else at the back? I don't remember exactly the verse, but there's that verse says, God is not willing that any of us should perish, but Mm -hmm. that we should all come to repentance and recognize that he is God. That is God's will. But also, God's will is for us to pray for others. His will to be done. For his will to be done, we need to be praying for others. There is a lot more power when we are praying for others because our heart is motivated with compassion for that person. And as he says, we're two or more gathered. I am there. And when we gather together, we are usually praying for one another. We are connecting with one another. Lucas, did you have something else you wanted to add? Nathan, can you get him the mic, please? In the context of the great controversy, he gives God the uh, permission he needs to work in other people's that lives. That is correct. When, when they're not asking, asking for it themselves, 
we ask That's him right. on behalf, then he can work in ways he could not otherwise. That's true. I'm glad you said that. That kind of leads me right into what I was going to say next. Uh, for those who know me and maybe have read my book, you know that I've only been a Christian for about 10 years. And just before that time when I became a Christian was probably the lowest part of my life. I had hit rock bottom as an addict. And I had no idea at the time that there was a group of people that were praying for me, a quite large group of people throughout BC that were praying for me that might not have ever even met me, but they were still on their knees praying for this man that was struggling. And there was so much power in that prayer that my life changed from black to white. It was that extreme. I went to Camp Hope, and people were still praying for me. I never went there for any kind of a spiritual connection or to gain anything. I went there to bring my wife and my kids there. That was it. That was it. But what happened when I got there, everything changed because of the prayers of others that gave God the permission to put the right people in my path and to help change my desires and change who I was. When I got there, I was in an alien environment, let me tell you. For me, the non-Christian person, Camp Hope, it, was, it weirded me out, to be honest. I'd never seen so many people smiling and happy and in my life. I'm being honest here. And for me, it was alien. I was like, what is this place? And I didn't want to connect with people because I was not that person. I was not a Christian. I was not anything like that. I didn't connect with people. I didn't pray with people. I didn't cry with people. I didn't do any of that. But God worked on me. And he made a miracle happen that my heart changed where I was baptized by the end of that, that camp meeting. And that was because of the power of prayer. It is so powerful when we pray for other people. We have no idea, and I'm sure we're going to find out in the future how powerful and how it worked. I'm going to tell you another little story about prayer. We had so many things happen with our family due to prayer that it blew our minds. It blew my mind. But one instance was when we were on our way to camp meeting, that camp meeting where I was baptized. The devil, of course, didn't want us to get there because he had a, I think he had an inkling what was going to go on. So on our way there, and we had this C-class RV. It's one of those great big ones that has like the cab in the front. And we were having problems with it. And I had a mechanic work on it and fix and replace all these parts, and we are good to go. So off we go to Cope, and we are coming from... Was it Campbell River? Campbell River. And so it was a long trip. When we got to um, Agassiz, we needed to fuel up. We pulled into the gas station. Or actually, no, 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 no. Wrong, wrong story. I'm sorry. It was actually still on the way to Hope. And we were going through um, Vancouver, the outskirts of Vancouver. And on our way to Langley. And same RV. And we come up to a stop sign, and this car pulls up beside us. And the lady's like, roll down your window. So I roll down my window. She's like, your wheel is on fire. I'm like, what? And I kind of look out, and I could see smoke billowing out from one of the front wheels. I'm like, oh, man. So, of course, I pull over to the side of the road. Go, look, it's blazing red hot. And I'm like, what are we going to do? I'm like, we're, we're out in the middle of nowhere, like kind of into the farmland area there. So there's nothing there and we're on a busy busy highway pull to the side and I don't even think we had BCAA or anything and I'm freaking out what do we do 
So we all got into the RV and we started to pray. And we're like, Lord, we don't know what to do. We're kind of stuck. We're scared. We're on our way somewhere. Please help us. And before we actually lifted our head up from that prayer, there was a tap, tap, tap on the door of the RV. And we're like, who in the world could that be? So we go out and we open the door. And this lady that actually asked me to roll down the window to tell me my wheel was on fire, she went ahead on the busy highway, circled, took an off-ramp, circled all the way around, got back on the freeway and came up and parked behind us. And when I opened the door, she's like, you need help. She's like, follow me. And I was like, what? Nobody does that. Especially in the city, nobody does that with strangers. And so we follow this lady. And as we're following her, all the lights on the dash are flashing red. So I know there's a big problem. So we get into the uh, area. She's like, follow me. I've got a mechanic that can help you out. So she took us to a place where this mechanic was. And as I pulled into that parking lot, there was no brakes absolutely nothing. I had to basically roll to a stop and jam it into park. There was nothing. And where we were going was to Langley. We had to go up a big hill and come down a big hill to a set of lights into the city. If we had taken that route, which I thought of, we would have been in an accident for sure because I wouldn't have been able to stop as I came down that hill. I would have had no brakes, busy intersection, busy city. So that was an answer to prayer. And, and we got everything fixed, and we were gone on our way, which everything happened the way God had planned it. But I tell you, the power of prayer is there for each one of us. It's there for us to use because God's given it to us to bless us. Now let's move on to the other part of this sermon. Salt. Christina was talking about salt. And this is part of my sermon. Salt. What is salt? What is it used for? Let's hear from you guys. What do you use salt for? Come on, don't be shy. Lucas. Oh. What is salt? To bring out flavor in things. Sure. Sounds good. Gabby, over here, Nathan. To make bread even palatable. <laughs> <laughs> Believe me, I've made bread without salt. Doesn't know. quite work out, right? And the minerals in it. It has a whole bunch of minerals in That's it. That's right. Anybody else? Preserve. Preserve, yes. Christina mentioned that. To purify. It's a preservative. That's right. There's many, many uses for salt. We need salt. There's salt in our sweat, there's salt in our tears, there's salt in our blood. We can't survive without salt. According to the dictionary, salt of the earth, which is the title of my sermon, means an individual or group considered as representative of the best or noble elements of society. The best or noblest elements of society. So that's supposed to represent when Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. What did he mean by that? He was talking to believers, of course. This was on the Sermon of the Mound that he mentioned this. You are the salt of the earth to the people that he was talking to. Do you have any ideas? I'd like to hear some more from everybody. What, does, what did he mean when he said, you are the salt of the earth? Anybody want to comment on that? Over here, Nathan. 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 
my um, profession and stuff is in horticulture, so I see it from a horticultural perspective. Fertilizers are basically salts. Right. There are types of salts, and so it's for growth enhancement. So we can help people grow that way too. Plants grow better with those specific salts, not the wrong kind, but the right kind will help them grow. The right As salt. Christians, we can, yeah. That's right. So like Christina said in her children's story, that salt doesn't actually add flavor. It doesn't actually change the flavor of the food that you add it to. It actually brings out the flavor. And what salt does is that it actually breaks down the membrane. It's like the, the cell membrane, the cell walls of whatever it is, veggies or anything. It actually breaks down that wall. Now think of that in a spiritual way that when we are connecting with people, when we are connecting with people, and you know people in your family that have this wall around them. They don't want to hear anything about Christianity. My family is like that. There is a wall, there is a shell, a force field, if you will, around them that is like, back off. I don't want to hear it. There's a lot of people that we know that are like that. They have this protective layer around them, and it's protect them from Christianity. People don't want to hear it. But if we pray before we go and meet these people, if we pray for our family, and if we are that salt of the earth, and we can only be that salt of the earth through prayer, we can break down that membrane. We can break down that shell of the people we're in contact with so that their lives can be enriched. Like I was saying, salt will bring out the flavor of things that are already there. It's already there but it will bring out that flavor and make it more beautiful, make everything about it better. So if we can be the salt of the earth, we can actually help break down that layer around the people we're trying to connect with, and their lives can be enriched. Their lives can be more beautiful because of that. Now, you ever thought about when you add salt to food? How much salt do you add? And I, some people, I wouldn't ask this question. I know Christina's stepfather, he would just, I mean, he would just pour the salt on. That's not what I'm talking about. When you add salt to a plate of food, say you've got a plate of food, how much salt do you add? A tablespoon? That'd be a little much, wouldn't it? That'd be a little too salty. How much salt do you need for a plate of food? How many grains? If you were to count them, how many grains would you need? Very few, actually. For you to change the whole plate, the flavor of that whole plate, you just need a little sprinkling, a tiny amount, and it will change the flavor of the whole plate. So you got to think of when we're in an environment with people, and if we can just change a tiny bit, it only takes a tiny bit, and yet it'll change everything around it. That's what Jesus wants from us is that we can go into any environment and we can be part of the catalyst of that change. And people say, well, it's only me. I'm only one person. I can't do much. Yes, you can. Just like the salt. If we are the salt of the earth, we have the power to change everything around us by the way we act, by the way we speak, by the way we connect with people. We can change a whole community. Us as a church, there's how many here? 60 people here? And how many people in, in Williams Lake? 5,000? 
More than that? Okay, let's say 7,000 people, something like that. Higher? 12,000? 15? Wow, okay, they must be hiding in the bush or something. Anyway, we have the power at our hands through prayer to be that salt, be that agent, that agent of change that we can influence and change a whole community. Like that tiny little bit of salt that changes the whole plate of food. We can be that salt and we can change the whole community by the way we connect with others, by the way we portray ourselves, by the way we are prayerfully going out and interacting with the world. And Christina mentioned this too, there's bad salt. How does salt get bad? Anybody got any thoughts on that? Or is it just bad to begin with? Bad salt, good salt? There is two different types of salt, and the, and, and the apostles knew this as well, that there was contaminated salt, and there was good salt, and they knew the difference. Today, we just get, you know, that bleach salt, and we pour it on our food. But if you actually did any research on it, there are so many different types of salt that are available to us. I know we use Himalayan pink salt sometimes, and we have some other salts. We have a kind of a sulfur salt that we put on things. There's lots of different types of salts out there. But when salt becomes bad, it's useless. It's absolutely useless. Even in Roman times, if salt was no good, they just throw it on the road because it's useful for, not useful for anything. In the second part of Matthew, which what our, our scripture reads this, So it says, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? Is it then good for nothing but to be thrown and trampled underfoot? So if we are not the good salt, what kind of influence are we going to be? We have been given a wonderful privilege to be the salt of the earth, and it is a privilege. But Jesus gave us a warning. The second half of Matthew 13 states, but if a salt loses its taste, how would its saltiness be restored? Is it no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trotted underfoot by men? Jesus did not say that we can lose our salvation. He said that we can lose our saltiness. When salt is contaminated, it becomes corrosive and poisonous. And we know when something's corrosive, It's a destroying agent. It destroys things. So if we are not that good salt, we actually have power again. But the power is on a whole different spectrum. We have the power to destroy things. We have the power to tear things down. We have the power to ruin things. And also it becomes poisonous. When salt is bad, it's actually poisonous. And we know how poison, if you have a glass of water and you put one drop of poison in it, still poison. That whole glass is contaminated. It's still poisonous, that whole glass. So we have the power to be poisoned to our surrounding areas, to our community, on how we interact with others, what we do when others see us, and how we talk. We have the power to poison a whole community by our actions. So we have to make a choice, and it's always a choice. It's always something that we have to really prayerfully ask God to change about us. If I was the real me out in that society, the me I used to be, I'd poison everything. And I'm being honest with you. 
the type of person I was, before I allowed Christ into my heart, I'd poison everything. I would not make anything better. I could only make things worse. But God gave me a privilege. He said, come to me and I will show you something different. I will show you how to be different. I will show you how to act different. I will give you compassion. I will give you love. I will give you tolerance. I will give you something that I have that you need. And I needed it because I was not the salt of the earth, let me tell you. But I I thank God that he actually gives us that. He gives us that opportunity. Contaminated salt cannot even be used for fertilizer. As we heard earlier, salt is so useful for fertilizer. But when it's contaminated, it can't even be used to grow crops. So it has to be thrown out. So if we allow disobedience, carelessness, and indifference to rule our lives, we have become contaminated salt and have lost our saltiness. We need to pray and confess our sins and let the Lord restore us to the purpose from which we were called. So if we are the salt of the earth, if we have allowed God to work in our hearts and change us, if we break down the me, 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 and allow us to think of others, well, we will be part of that prayer that Jesus gave. His kingdom will come. He's asking us to be the salt of the earth so that we can fulfill some of these things that he put in his prayer, that his kingdom will come and that his will will be done. If we are the salt of the earth, we can make changes, but only through prayer. It's not just going to be you know, thrown at us. It's not just going to be given without us asking the Lord for change, without us prayerfully seeking him on our knees, then the change will come. But in order for that to happen, we can't just pray alone. We have to pray together. As the apostles found out at Pentecost, things weren't quite working out right before that. They were scared. They were running. They didn't know what to do. They didn't feel any power. And they just felt like they were just losers. They were hiding, waiting for somebody to capture them and kill them. They were scared and running. But they found out when they got on their knees and they prayed with one another and confessed to one another and loved one another, that holy rain fell on them, the Holy Spirit fell on them, and they had power to heal. They had conviction. They had strength. Peter had so much strength that he was unstoppable. And we can have that. That's available to us. The Bible tells us about the latter rain that's yet to fall. But in order for us to have that, we need to pray together. We need to know each other. We need to be on our knees praying for one another and loving one another. That is the only way that will happen. I know I sound like a broken record. I've mentioned this before, but I believe it is so important, so important in this day, in this age, and we're coming to the end of time here, that if we don't connect with one another, if we don't love one another, if we're not going to pray with one another, it's all contaminated salt. 
we will not have the power. We will not have the latter-day reign. We will not have that until that happens. So I implore with you, please, let us connect. Let us connect to a level that we know each other, that we love each other, and that we pray with one another so that we can be that salt of the earth and finish the work that Christ asked us to do. And then he will come and everything will be changed forever. Keep that in your thoughts. Keep that in your prayers. Lord, help to make me a sanctuary. Help me to be a missionary. Help me to be the salt of the earth so that I can make things better for others. That is my prayer. Thank you for listening. Uh, before we finish here, we're going to be watching a short video clip that uh, they will put up on the screen here, and then I will pray. So I will move out of the way so you can see it. Passion for your name Let my life be 
Father in heaven, I thank you that you have given us the privilege to be something, something different, something different than what we used to be, something different that can make a difference to others. Lord, help us to be that difference. Give us your power, give us your strength. Help us to know how to pray to you. Help us to know how to act. Lord, we need you so much. During the way the world is right now, our anxieties are high, we have so much mistrust. Help us just to be that compassionate person in the sea of anxiety. Help people to see us as a beacon, beacon of light that we are so connected with you that it's going to be obvious to those around us that we'll break down their barriers and they can learn to love and they can learn to be united with one goal in mind, doing your work so that you can come back and take us home. I thank you for the compassion that you have for us. I thank you for the love, the never-ending love, and the grace that you give us when we screw up. Be with us all today, Lord. Help us to be a blessing to others. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.